0: Welcome to the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxi. This podcast is about everything animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thank you. And just by the way, you are the first reptile and amphibian expert we've ever had on the podcast. So no pressure at all.
1: I don't feel any because I'm not an expert. <laughs> yes, you
0: are. <laughs> and- it's so funny because I was trying to figure out, like, to do this intro for you. You've been working with reptiles and amphibians or herps, like we like to group them, um, for over what, like three decades? And I thought, gosh, is it three decades or two decades?
1: Oh, uh, no. Now you're, now you're aging me. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Probably over 20 years at this point. Yeah.
0: 20 yeah. years. 20 years. And we actually met in 2011 at the St. Louis Zoo.
1: Was it that year? I remember. I I remember meeting like it was yesterday, um, yeah. giving, a tour, giving a tour to you and your sister, um, Yeah,
0: but I didn't Time remember the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 2011. I remember cause I had just gotten done with like summer school in genetics and I wanted to literally jump off a building after that class. And I was so excited to go to the zoo and get a behind the scenes tour. Um, but you are such an expert in the field and I really wanted to have you on the podcast because you have I mean you've literally traveled the world you participated in some great conservation projects with reptiles and amphibians you also of course had a very long run at the St. Louis Zoo working in the reptile department where did it all like where did this all begin tell me about your childhood kind of what sparked that passion
1: well um, I grew up in St. Louis so fort- fortunately for me I always had access to the St. Louis Zoo which for those of you who don't know is probably one of the best in the country, if not the world, I mean, it's, it's super, it's, it's incredible. Um, free zoo, the reptile building um, is what always drew me the most and that, that one really is world class. So, you know, growing up, you know, we take field trips there, my, my family would take me there. It's one of my fondest memories uh, with my grandmother would be, go, would be to go to the zoo um not only that you know when you know catching toads and box turtles you know box turtles and toads were all over the place as kids here in missouri um and then and then, and then just reading my mom was really good about bringing us to the library a lot and i didn't look at any other section except the animal section i i didn't i anything right? else interest me straight there every time um and and yeah. I, that, that all that kind of stuff is really what sparked my passion for wildlife, um, in particular reptiles, actually.
0: And you, yeah. And I have to say, just to go back to St. Louis zoo as one of the, I I think probably one of the best reptile displays in the country.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think, uh, and, and and they do some really good stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's a large collection. It's one of those kind of collections. That's hard uh, buildings. that's hard to even build, uh, due to finances these days at zoos. I mean, it's, it was built in 1927 and the architecture um, is kind of like no other that I've seen, you know. I haven't been to many, you know, 20, 30 zoos, but it, it's, uh, that building is is, is, is pretty awesome.
0: It's, it's so historic, and you're so lucky that you have the zoo. I'm from Idaho, of course, and so we didn't have this giant, you know, great reptile selection at our local zoo. And so when I was a kid, because as you know, because you and I are, are, are really good friends, my family's from St. Louis. So when I was a kid, I loved going to the St. Louis Zoo. And just mm-hmm. like you as a kid, I remember, like, I just it, – it was amazing. Like, just – I, I can, I can still picture it as a kid. So you're so lucky. And then also living in Missouri, like you have box turtles. Like that was my highlight yeah. as a kid, you know, like <laughs> box turtles.
1: I, I didn't realize when I was a kid, how, how lucky and how cool that was. Cause you saw them all the time, you know, I, mean, I didn't realize, you know, what was happening, but you know, during breeding season when they're crossing roads and stuff and, you know, trying to find mates, you know, moving around. I didn't know that as a kid, that, that, that's what was happening. But yeah, you, it was it was not uncommon to find them at all, at all.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, did you ever have any reptiles as pets or amphibians as pets when you were younger?
1: Um, a couple here and there as a kid. Um, it, it, I really didn't start keeping keeping reptiles as pets till I was closer to you know college age, eighteen, nineteen years old is when I really okay. got serious about keeping them. You know, we kept the occasional box turtle, or I, I. Mm-hmm. Catch a toad in the backyard and keep it for a week or something, and let it go. You know. You
0: better hope the Missouri Department of uh, Fish and Wildlife isn't listening to this. No. <laughs> hey, this is. I, I think that the statute's
1: of limitations is already passed. Uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs>
0: so
1: Un- unfortunately, a lot of those places I can't find the stuff anymore. Sadly enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I so. was going to say, have you noticed, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed a difference when you were a kid from your childhood, like just the, the populations, even looking at the box turtles. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, even in, you know, growing up in the suburbs of St. Louis, you know, um, there really wasn't many wild places right, right by my house in my neighborhood. But still, you could catch toads. You could catch stuff. there, you, you'd never catch anything like that now. Never. Not, not in that area anymore. Yeah. Well, you, you know,
0: but so sad. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, really quick. Okay. So, you were 18 years old. You really got into reptiles. Like, what sparked that at 18? Um. Oh, um, you
1: know, I, I I think a lot of it uh, came from you know you start college, you try to find out, uh try to decide what you're going to do with your life, and uh, at 18 you try to make that decision when you know nothing really (laughs) let's just be honest you think you know everything then but you don't and uh and and but the thing that really um you know got me excited when I was in college was my biology classes and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing so you know I I decided to uh major in biology then and try to focus in zoology type of courses and um mainly cuz i i enjoyed it and i didn't really know where i was going with it to be honest with you i just okay. en- i just enjoyed it and i didn't i didn't necessarily plan on working at a zoo or or you know plan on working for the department of conservation i had no idea what i was going to do with it but um that's what I, I i just knew i wanted to work with animals so that's what i did i and you know, i kept a few pets at home like you know that bearded dragons and king snakes oh, yeah. stuff like that you know like mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. those good starter
0: pet reptiles basically you know yes um yes which which you'll probably have soon if you don't already because you have two kids of your own so maybe in a couple years yeah,
1: right uh they have enough stuff already <laughs>
0: yeah i was gonna say i see your facebook i think i think they're set
1: yeah they're all right they're all right <laughs> yeah yeah so they get, they get so you know a bit more uh, they don't get the beginner things anymore they get a little bit more
0: exciting things than now they don't yeah, get to, they, don't have, they don't
1: have to start there <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're like, you know what I was thinking though? And I thought this would be hilarious. And I was thinking like, what if your kids didn't like reptiles? Like I always thought that like right before you got Olivia, I thought, oh my goodness. Like what if she's like so like terrified, but she's not, I mean, you see her on your Facebook and she's running around with snakes and holding stuff. And
1: well, no, it's really cool. Cause we have a lot of garter snakes, you know, and uh, around the house, you know, outside And she's, she's, I think she has a really good attitude about it. I'll ask her if she wants me to pick it up so she could hold it or touch it. And she'll, she'll, she's, she said, no, dad, leave it, leave it alone. Just let it be. I want to look at it. So she sits, she sits right next to it. You know, she's had them crawl over her feet. She doesn't, it doesn't faze her, but she doesn't want to bother them, which I really love. Like, it's not about harassing them, it's about just appreciating
0: them. Mm-hmm. You know? And you know, per, you know personally, I love the garter snakes. I, and I run into them when I jog on our lane, I mean, whatever, on our property. But I prefer to leave them alone because when they musk on you, man, that smell is like... <laughs> <It's right. laughs> I,
1: I appreciate her not wanting to touch them for, for that reason, too. <laughs> Seriously,
0: <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, okay, so you graduate college. Tell me your, your path. Where did you go from there, career-wise?
1: Well, I didn't actually i while i was in college i started an internship at the st louis zoo okay you know i started after after a few of my biology classes, i was like well you know i i kept the animals at home i really enjoyed the, having them had the, some some biology classes introductory level i was like well a zookeeper maybe that's maybe that's what i want to do so yeah. i
0: uh,
1: i was fortunate enough in 2000 to start an internship at the zoo
0: 2000. And that was in the
1: herp department. Yep. 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 In the herp building. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I did that actually while I was, while I was in school, taking classes, I basically volunteer. It's an unpaid internship type position. I did it for two years. Um, two years, two years. Yeah. Uh, I just enjoyed being there to be honest. So and then, uh, finally they, you know, it's, it, I mean, I'm kind of getting off track here, but get, no, becoming, a zoo, do it. becoming a zookeeper is not an easy thing to do. I know um, people who are not familiar with it, I don't think understand that. And then, you know, a lot of times visitors would, would make comments um, that made me believe that they thought it was just kind of a job that was easy to get. And if you love your little fluffy animal, they'll hire you. It's, it's far from the case. So, you know. For me, I took every opportunity I could get. I did the two-year internship. I, uh, they after I guess it was in 2002, they started seasonal keeper positions in all the departments, so mm-hmm. I was hired on in the reptile building as a seasonal part-time keeper to work over the summer, mm-hmm. which I did, and, did, for, did for, I think, ended up doing for like nine months, actually. Uh, they were really to lucky.
0: for me. I mean, I have yeah. to say that's lucky, and we've had other people like on the podcast who work in the zoo and aquarium field, it is so hard to get a position. And so many people think that it's easy or like, it's like, I mean, so many people who are not into the animal field. And I remember this crazy story. Um, I had a friend who was a zookeeper and some of the comments that she would hear the guest, like she would see a family and she would hear like the dad's like, you know, say to the child, listen here, you know, as he's scrubbing like a primate enclosure, listen here, this is why you go to school or you could be a zookeeper. <laughs> oh,
1: that, that is a, that is a common comment that I used to hear sometimes. I didn't realize that ha- half the people like are more educated than, than the general public. Right. You know, cause mm-hmm. you know, like they, they really, really, really push education
0: and in, mm-hmm. in the
1: zoo, in the zoo world. So, um, mm-hmm.
0: and really quick, did you get any other opportunities in any other areas of the St. Louis zoo or is it just in the reptile building?
1: Well, well, um, so after my part-time, um, after my part-time stint, uh, the, the seasonal position, um, it, there was a, a, what's called a swing keeper position that opened up and there was another part-time position too, but you know, I wanted to stay at the zoo. So I put in for that and that was a position where you are trained in every area of the zoo and uh, put where they need you. Um, so I was able, I got, I got that position in 2003 and, um, uh, I started in the antelope area. Oh, antelope, you know, and and they, they, they have birds up there as well. So, yeah, I Mm -hmm. guess um, my main responsibility while I I was up there were the giraffes, um, Summering's gazelles, Speaks gazelles, ostrich, Okapi. Oh, Okapi.
0: Didn't you say they, I know we're still off track, didn't you say they feel so weird? Like they feel so velvety. Velvety.
1: Velvety. And then they leave this uh, brown oil on your hand, like when you touch them. Really? I'm not being more of a herp guy than a mammal person. I'm not sure what that's, what that's all for. Oh you know?
0: no, I don't know what that <laughs> is. That's amazing. I've but, never uh, heard that yeah. before. Yeah.
1: They, yeah. They, they, they were incredible. That, that, that was probably my favorite animal to work with up there.
0: No. And this is, I mean, just regarding, cause Okapi's their closest relative, of course, is a giraffe. I mean, was the husbandry, pretty similar or did you see a, like a difference between the two species? Like, I mean, were they similar working with them or are they, do they seem like a complete separate animal? Um,
1: husbandry was similar,
0: or at least that, that's the way that they did it there.
1: You know, that's the way I was, I was taught, um, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I thought, the you know, copies, uh, the Okapi, I was one Okapi I worked with, they, they you know, um, mm-hmm. was, was a little bit, more shy, um, uh-huh. I don't know. It's, it's a, and you know that was an individual, so I can't make that generalization yeah. for the for that yeah. species. And, yeah. But um, I don't know. They there there was definitely differences, but it, it's hard for me to really explain explain that. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And just for young listeners, can you explain what an in a, in a okapi looks like? I mean, like, what oh, is it? Because a lot goodness. of people are probably listening, like, what in the world is an okapi? What are they talking about? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, right? You know, like everybody, yeah. I, the, one of the comments you hear the most about okapis is, is that related to a zebra? You know, <laughs> because of the the the, the stripes on the, their back. I think it's only the hind legs. It might be on the front legs, okay. too. But, you know, okay. they're they're probably about the size of a horse, I I would say. Maybe mm-hmm. brown, um, a longer neck, similar mm-hmm. to a giraffe, but obviously not uh, in proportion, not, not as long even as them. But um, mm-hmm. and then they got the white and black stripes on their back legs.
0: Yeah. Um, and, they're, and they're really elusive. They only live in like the, the Congo, correct? I mean, like yeah, we don't know yeah. that much about them. They're really secretive.
1: Yeah, they're super secretive, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lived forest dwelling, not like, you know, not like the giraffes.
0: Yeah, you know. which is yeah. so common. Awesome. So that was probably your favorite animal in that, in that group of animals that you had to work with yeah. at the zoo, like oh, a and, mammal.
1: In in that area, yeah. But also, I forgot that we we did. I did get to work with some birds, and I fell in love with marabou stork. Oh! So I got to work with marabou storks, and oh um, my gosh! I know most people, they weren't, <laughs> you know, they weren't they weren't friendly at all. They were really aggressive. <laughs> but
0: that personality for me was like i loved it you know you i know, mean did you have to go in there with because I, I at our local zoo they would have to the andean condor was like really aggressive and it would come after people like did you go in with a broom <laughs> Yeah,
1: we just, just go in with the broom and it would snap at you and everything and it would charge at you and snap but oh um, yeah it How was uh, something about its personality. It fit with my personality, so yeah. Like, yeah. you know they're really cool. Yeah, probably one of my favorite. Actually, to be honest, they they rank up there as one of my favorite animals I've ever worked with. I would do anything to see one in the wild. Like that would be like incredible.
0: It yeah, I was fortunate enough to see them in the Masai Mara. I mean, and there were hundreds of dead wildebeest after a crossing in the Mara River, Mm -hmm. and just with the vultures, just so beneficial. And I remember I had this great footage of one. You can go to my YouTube and watch it of my Africa videos. But it's just eating this intestine, just like you know what I mean, just going and going and just it's just anyway, kind of grotesque. But it was they were so cool. They were (laughs) really neat animals. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure,
0: for sure. You'd really like that. Okay, so you so you were in the antelope area. Any other area that you worked at the zoo? Uh, well from there
1: I actually only did that for three months and was able to get on full-time. Um, so I, uh, I was hired on as an aquarist, um, oh. at the zoo. So okay. it might sound odd, but the herpetology department and the aquatics department were the same. We're under the same, you know, management, same curator, same manager. Okay. So they knew me already. They knew, they knew that I could do that stuff already. Um, mm-hmm. so it was kind of, you know, an easy fit. I mean, things didn't open up in the reptile house very often. So um,
0: okay. that was, that was a,
1: a a good way to get in.
0: Okay. So what were you doing as an aquarist? Like what species were you working with?
1: Um, You know, we, we didn't have a, a ton of things. It was mostly smaller, smaller tanks, probably mm-hmm. 200 gallons or smaller. There was, we had a, we had a local stream that was, I think, 3,000 gallons that had that had, You know, one side was all schooling minnows and, and sculpin and darters and that sort of thing. And the other side had bass and bluegill just to show people what they can find in Missouri. Because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, not everybody gets a chance. It's right here, you know, it's right in our own backyards. Mm-hmm. But not everybody gets a chance to go see it or, you know. So to, to try and educate them to what they could see locally was important. So they had that display, which was cool. And then they had a Mississippi River display with larger, okay. you know, that I don't, I don't rem- remember how many thousands of gallons that was, but it had large catfish okay, and in, in, in bass and it had crappie in there. It had carp, it had the big head carp, which are introduced species there. Yeah. Um, it had sturgeon. So that was one of the tanks. Then, then we had little, little tanks that, you know, went from everything from, you know, Marine invertebrates, you know, mm-hmm. and feather dusters and ur- sea urchins, sea stars.
0: C&M Wait, where is these. this? I mean, I hate to interrupt, Matt, but I've never seen these at the zoo. <laughs> <So, laughs> did they remove no. these exhibits since I've been? They, they, they did. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a gift shop now. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I'm like, I'm like thinking here, where? Okay, I've been to the zoo so many different times. I don't think I've ever seen a sea urchin there.
1: It, it was in the living world, and in, in, a. Oh, started, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It started like it started, you know, with like that kind of stuff. It went around to insects, and then it went around to fish and you know had you know amphibians and then reptiles and mammals it kind of went that that's was kind of the theme of it it went kinda, kind of had like all different yeah 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 it was kind of talked about evolution in there so there's a charles darwin um
0: okay you just want to my mom there. as a listener by the way <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey I, I didn't make the decisions at this do, but um I, yeah but, but go charles darwin <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, so you land a full-time position in the reptile department. What are you well, in charge
1: was, of? Well, yeah, I was in a, in aquatics at that time.
0: And okay. So, well, and,
1: and so I'll do that for – I'll just briefly talk about that just because the cool part is that, you know, it was part of the reptile department as well. You know, all the off-display aquatic stuff was kept in the reptile department's basement. So no, –
0: Which, which – <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say really quick. I, okay. So when we met for our behind the scenes tour, I was shocked at how many animals that the reptile department has behind the scenes. Like give the listeners an idea of like, when you say the basement, I mean, there's so much that people just don't see.
1: Yeah. I, uh, and, and it's interesting. And it's, and it's evolved a lot in the past, you know, 18 years or so, you know, when I started as an intern, it was just a hodgepodge of everything in the collection. It was I mean, you'd go downstairs and you you know, you'd work with blue tail monitors, beaded lizards, yellow monitors, dwarf caiman, caiman lizards, you know, star tortoises, radiated tortoises, you know and then you go to another room and there'd be Two hundred vipers, and then you go to another room and there'd be another three hundred snakes, and then you go to the cool area, like you could get lost in the basement it was like a maze when you know you know like when you when you first go in there now I think um it's been a few years actually since i've been been behind the scenes there, but I think they're uh they're more focused in their efforts, you know I don't think uh the collection is as large um but it doesn't need to be i i you know I agree with those decisions they're Trying to focus more on conservation programs, like now with the, as you've been down there with the big hellbender project, and three at least three rooms could have changed since the last time I've been. Three rooms with
0: yes.
1: an ungodly amount of Ozark hellbenders in it. You yes, know?
0: and yeah, really quick, just for young listeners or just for anyone. I mean, what is a hellbender? Because I was really unfamiliar with them when I first went for the tour. What is a hellbender?
1: So uh, hellbender is the largest uh, North American salamander. It's totally aquatic. Um, I think historically the Ozark one, which is the one that the St. Louis Zoo focuses on, um, occurred in southern Missouri and northern Arkansas. Um, I'm not so sure they occur in Arkansas anymore. Um, again, I since they weren't really, really my thing. Um, so I'm kind of mm-hmm. a snake guy, and the, the, you know, yeah. I didn't know. His, I, I didn't. I didn't really keep track of everything that's going on with them, you know, and what Mm -hmm. they're doing at the zoo and, you know, their, their wild status or that sort of thing. Um, But there's, there's also another um, hellbender called the Eastern hellbender, which occurs in Missouri as well, but also, you know, occurs out East into Appalachia and stuff like that as well, Mm -hmm. whose numbers um, are, are much better than, you know, they're much better off than the Ozark hellbender, but um, I can't, I, I'd be willing to to bet that they're not doing great, and I for sure would bet that um, they definitely need help because that you know yeah. they'd be in trouble, you know. And all <laughs> all animals, to be honest, but you know yeah. <laughs> at this, yeah, at, this point, at this point in time they seem to be impacted, um, you know, more so than a lot. And-
0: and what people don't understand, they're great bio-indicators, like, of the environment. Absolutely. It's like, one of the first, it's like one of the first animals you look at. If something's going south, once you start losing the amphibians, it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, then that really
1: would, with that skin, they absorb everything, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, with hellbenders, they're in the water. Everything that washes in the water, you know, they're going to absorb that, you know? Um, farms that come up right next to the streams, you know, that fertilizer washes into the Mm -hmm. stream the hellbenders Mm -hmm. are gonna hellbenders are gonna absorb that absorb that um you know the waste from if you got cows on your farm the waste from that it's gonna probably get in the stream if there's not enough buffer you know and they're gonna absorb Mm -hmm. that um there's multiple other things you know i've i've heard of even stuff is you know southern missouri is really popular for float trips
0: okay
1: you know in the summer and uh you know, um, the floaters don't necessarily like to get out of the water to go to the bathroom. So,
0: Oh, I've
1: actually heard and, you know, I, I don't know how, val- how valid it is, but it, it makes sense. You know, women who take birth control, you know, like some of it comes out in their waist and the hellbenders, and not just hellbenders; other animals can absorb that stuff. That's just that's just not good for 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 the for the environment. No. To be honest with you, I th-
0: I thought you I thought you were gonna say all the beer that's accidentally spilt out of the no, well, <laughs> in the Missouri that's River. True,
1: that's true. I'm trying I'm 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 trying to be as kid friendly as possible. <laughs> Oh, it's you know. fine. No, <laughs> well, yeah, really it's, a bunch of drunk people going down the rivers. Is what it is. That's
0: exactly. Yeah, I've <laughs> never done it before. I can only imagine the environment. Yeah, no. F- <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yes.
1: I've I've never done it before because I I, yeah, I think uh, seeing uh, what you know and and it's probably just most people are probably great to be honest with you, um, but it's just mm-hmm. this, you know, that that would that would ruin a whole trip for me if I saw things happening. You know. You know, yeah. I, I am too passionate about the environment and wildlife that yeah, so I, I try to I try to stay away from those kind those kind of places during that time. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah. I've never done it personally either. Okay, so you're working in the reptile department. Um, do they put you in a in a specific area? So well
1: I'll just backtrack one little second because I was gonna say with with as an aquarius what was sorry, what was ahead. great for what was great for me as an aquarist, they knew that I had... um had a reptile background, so when the when the animals come into the zoo, they um, go to the hospital, with the, which is on grounds, and go through a quarantine procedure to make sure, you know, they're healthy and they can be brought into the collection and not, you know, infect the collection with, you know, some kind of disease or something. So they go up there. Um, well, being in in aquatics and not working with the, with the the reptiles. Um, I thought it'd be really cool if I could do the reptiles up at the quarantine, up at the hospital. So there was quarantine keepers up there, but the reptile keepers generally did all the venomous up there. So as an aquarist, I got to end my day every day by going up to the quarantine area and working all the venomous snakes that were in quarantine. And, and, you know, Jeff Etling, the former curator of that, that department, he's a huge fan of venomous snakes. So we always had venomous snakes coming in. So I got a lot of experience before technically even being a reptile keeper with venom. Yeah, but
0: like, snakes. So, but who teaches you like with the venomous snake? I mean, it's just like, I mean, are you just one day it's like, here, we're going to, you know, go from this and that. Or, or did you have experience? I mean, where did you, cause that's a dangerous aspect uh, of job.
1: I learned there. The, I think the, protocols they have in place and the way they want you to work things, um, you know, safety is a huge issue there, you know, for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they had seen me for years working the non-venomous stuff and everything. And I know there's a difference, but um, you know, you could get, you good at using a hook with that stuff, you know, you know, you could practice practice your skills on something that if it got you, really wasn't going to be a big deal. And so I've been doing that for, for enough time that, you know, in in a lot of this stuff that St. Louis was into uh, and still probably is into is not crazy animals to work, you know, like, you know, like the Armenian viper and those sort of snakes are, you know, they're, they're small, they're not necessarily defensive. I don't want to call them aggressive because I don't think the snakes are aggressive really. It's more of a defensive thing. So they were okay. really they were they they didn't really strike at you, so you know it wasn't like I was walking in there working um you know a tie pan from the day first day I started or something yeah. like that, yeah. that well, I, I did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: here you go matt and it's it's funny because a lot of people ask me they say you know why do you not have any venomous animals and you know personally I've never had that inclination like i've never i don't know I've never just really i don't i've never really really was into that. The only venomous animal I think I ever would personally want is probably a Gila monster, maybe a Mexican beaded lizard. Um, And I've worked, you know, worked with them multiple times, but I never had that inclination to do it. Did, I mean, did you have it? Like, do you think if you didn't have the zoo job, you would still want to keep venomous animals or did it just Uh, come with the job?
1: You know what? I, I, I love venomous animals They're I respect them. I, 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 absolutely love them. I would never keep them. Um, oh, okay. I don't, okay. I don't, th- I don't think people, I don't think, um, it should be against law or something for people to keep them. I, I, for me, it is, I, I, you know, not only am I putting myself in danger, I have young kids, I have neighbors and not to mention where I live, it's illegal. So between all yeah, those no, things, you know, I, I th- you know,
0: yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. No, no,
1: <laughs> don't no, you, no, have no, a- you have a rattlesnake? <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I, you know, I just, you know, I miss working with them. Uh, absolutely. But, um, you know, I, I am thankful for that experience, you know, cause, cause after, well, once I, once I finally got into the reptile department, um, as, as, a, as a reptile keeper, um, venomous snakes kind of became my, uh, specialty, I guess. So I think at one point, you know, I had, 200 plus animals in my care that were in my area all of them snakes and only three of them were non-venomous so oh my gosh um so yeah so i kind of grew grew to love those
0: yeah like so species so just listeners i mean you took care of king cobras i mean vipers i mean tell us you know mambas i mean a bunch of different fun stuff
1: yeah um I think my, my favorite had to be a lot of the um, vipers that were part of the, the zoo's wild care Institute, um, conservation program. Um, Mm -hmm. kind of the vipers from what they, you know, Western Asia, you know, um, uh, the near East, you know, Eastern Europe, Western Asia, those kind of vipers Mm -hmm. from, um, you know, like Armenian vipers, Caucasus vipers, you know, Mm -hmm. those sort of things. Um, you know, I, I I'm trying to be. Uh, <laughs> I I can't think of common names for a lot of these, so. Uh,
0: no, it's fine. I no, it's uh, fine. I, um, do yeah, you, so do that, you remember? When, oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, go for it. Go for it.
0: No, I just remember. Remember that cheesy. Remember. Remember, I was filming that that webisode years ago, and we like had we were sitting down by the Viper cages, and I, and I tried to interview you, and it was <laughs> like the most ridiculous thing. I,
1: I I watched it recently. I did you, you really it. oh yeah dude you sent you <laughs> sent me you sent me the video i have the video <laughs> I watched I just, it recently
0: <laughs> like i don't understand like why are we sitting by the? like why are we sitting down by these cages? like it yeah, makes yeah, no yeah. sense those,
1: those macro vipera like in the cage right behind us i totally picture it like it happened yesterday and it's just cruising yeah. around right behind us yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Just, like we're just sitting down on the ground with our backs turned. So Matt, what are we doing today? Anyway, that's funny. Yeah, no, that, that, <laughs> one of the
1: cool things though, working in that area, um, was those that species um of of macroviperia that, that were right that we were sitting in front of, like a couple of nerds. <laughs> um, they laid eggs for me. Um and all, pretty much everything else in that room, that viper room, was uh, you know, gave live birth. So they laid eggs, and the eggs looked to me, you know, like almost like slugs, like infertile eggs that um, snakes mm-hmm. lay. Um, and they had a weird feeling to to the shell; it wasn't like a shell. It was kind of soft. But I saw, you know, you know, veins like vascularization on mm-hmm. the on there. So we decided to um, incubate them, just because why not, right? I mean, what can hurt, yes. you know? And know, uh, yeah. they hatched. And it was in, in 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 like twenty something days, like it was super fast, like really, yeah. So I guess um, you know they probably evolved because they're the harsh climate that they're in or whatever. To you know, you know they have a short window for for incubation for these things in the wild, and they've evolved to, to do this. I, I, I is my guess, you know, because it it was of course it was way different than anything I'd experienced. Um, and still you know I, I still breed some snakes and stuff but um, I've never had any species do have have eggs like that and then hatch within you know it were like three weeks later wow usually it's a couple months for a lot of snakes you know two months or something you know oh there's different species have different you know different uh, incubation periods and, and different temperatures mm-hmm. and stuff and all that impacts it but you know a generalization, I can say, sixty days. You know, fifty to seventy days. If you if you want to, you know, range. That most snake, and this was twenty. It was like twenty-three days
0: or something like that. And and was this was this the first time for the zoo? To have it was. This? Yep. Yep. I yeah. think it's the
1: only. It's, it was the only time. Actually, I think I don't think they've had. They've produced them since. To be honest. During during your reign, you probably love that. <laughs> uh, you know what? It was it was. I always just say, you know I was lucky to be there at that time. To be honest. I feel like what I did and and some of the stuff I I was able to produce that if somebody else had that position, they could have done it too. I just was lucky, you know, I wasn't going to give it away to anybody. You know, at that time I loved it. You know, it was great. You know, who else can say that they got to go every day and work with animals they love. And since I was behind the scene, I could play the music. I
0: love too. Yes. (laughs) And really quick, I just, mind you, of course, for those of you listening, if you've been to Missouri in the summer, hot and muggy. My favorite part of the tour was going into your Viper room because it is nice and air conditioned. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. felt so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it gets down to maybe in the forties, you know, in the in the winter because we cool them down to try to simulate yeah. their brumation period and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and you you know, since they're they're high, most of the are high elevation species that occur in there and you know while it does get hot um you know generally they're not going to sit out in the in the heat of the day so keeping it at a at a decent temperature i think i think the ambient temperature in that room probably was in the high seventy mid to high 70s and then everything had a hot spot and stuff so
0: yeah
1: so it was yeah it definitely beat uh I, I was luckier than the keepers who had to work the mammals on in the outside yards in the summer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Seriously. And you're behind the scenes. So you're not dealing with the public. Like right, this, yeah. is, this is a I, win-win.
1: I think I maybe had eight displays, you know, and, and what that building, I mean that building, I, it, it could have a hundred displays. I'm not even sure. You know, that building has a lot of displays. and I I think I was responsible for eight. So yeah, it was, it was great. I got to
0: That's awesome. I mean, that's awesome. And I have to say something really quick. When I was a kid, I was obsessed, of course, like you reading reptile books. And when I was a kid, I remember seeing a tuatara at the zoo, and it's like what one of the only zoos in the country that has these. Oh yeah, yeah, Um,
1: yeah. I think uh, Dallas Zoo has them. Hmm. Dallas Zoo is awesome too, by the way. If you haven't been, check those guys out. They got a really really cool. Toledo has them. Another. What's up, John? (laughs)
0: <laughs> another really
1: cool zoo <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um uh, uh and uh why is, oh san diego San, san Diego. diego. Has, uh, yeah. do. Yep. i've never been to california so i can't i can't say i'm sure that it's awesome you know um, yeah i'm sure yeah, that it's the, really awesome that, you know that obviously everybody says good things but um i've never been but the other two Herp, I mean, I focus on the herp stuff when I go to zoos, so uh-huh. I, I, Toledo is awesome, um, Dallas is awesome, you know, I know a few of the guys that work at the Dallas Zoo, and their staff is really, really knowledgeable, really good people doing really cool stuff, so yeah, yeah. but yeah, those are the zoos with two guitars.
0: so yeah, two and,
1: and, and we had them on display for a while, and. You know, Not, it, it it pains it pains me as a keeper who knows what they are to hear the public come through and be like, "Uh, look at that! Doesn't that look like the iguana we have at home?"
0: Oh, uh, just I,
1: I, I'm dying! I'm dying! You know, I, a little a little part of me dies inside when I hear them say stuff like that. Seriously! You know, oh my god! Just, but but then. On the other hand, you get the knowledgeable, the people who know what they're looking at, or even better, when kids come through and knew what they were looking at, and said something that was like just that made your day. You know, if you got a ten-year-old kid come through, and he or she's like, "Oh, look at the tuatara! I never thought I'd see one." That, that that kind of stuff was awesome. That's where that.
0: That's it's at. awesome. And tuatara, to I mean, if you're listening, you have no idea what they are. I'm just explaining because they they do look like lizards, but I mean they're not even. <laughs> they look like lizards. They're in the,
1: they're in their own order. Yeah, you know? so they're, they're 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 quite distinct. They're, you know, I, I I mean I think it takes them well over a decade to reach maturity, sexual maturity, so they can breed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. um, their their way they reproduce is 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 much different than, you know, like a lizard. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um they They thrive in cooler temperatures they're only found in New Zealand um they're eradicated from most places because of all the introduced species you know, because it takes them a lot to to reproduce and it takes you know when they when they reach that age and they reproduce then they they breed and it takes i don't know you know it's 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 a pretty long time, maybe close to a year before she lays eggs and you know maybe another year before it hatches i mean it's there's a really long time I don't know the numbers um exactly um just kind of going off the top of my head you know yeah. um, but it, yeah. it, it but it, it's a long long period of time well you know that well when you got introduced species like rats mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff you know good luck to those eggs you know good luck to the babies good, reaching 15 years old or you know 10 mm-hmm. 15 years old before they can even reproduce and you know and then you got habitat yeah. loss and you got a whole bunch of stuff so
0: They have a lot of stuff against them. And they're just like, I mean, for those of you listening who have no idea what they are, this and that, they're kind of like, I I consider them like the giant panda of the reptile. I mean, for me, I mean, wouldn't you think, I mean, this is like a... Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. They're pretty special. I I believe you have to have permission from the New Zealand government to have them, which is why only four zoos in the U.S. have them.
0: Yes. Did you know, I mean, first of all, I actually got to hold one at the Toledo Zoo. (laughs) You did? Dude. And they feel... They feel weird, and they were—they were so kind. of the Saint Louis, we were able to touch them, but tell—they're so soft, like they—they feel—it's like, it, they, not what you expect.
1: No, more like human skin than like a reptile. Right? Yeah, you know. yeah
0: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the one, I think Jeff or either Mark was telling me as I'm touching this lizard, he said, "Yeah, I think this one's around either seventy or ninety years old," and I'm like, "What?"
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, they, yeah, I, don't, anyway. I don't know their lifespan, but I do know the. Uh, it's really long.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, they're awesome. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah. One of so, my favorites that oh, I sorry, one of
1: on. my favorite species that I was fortunate enough to work with actually are tuatara, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: That's awesome that they still have them on exhibit. And anyway, actually, they, I don't know
1: if they still have them on exhibit. Okay. I actually think they redid that exhibit, and they got some uh, the Mang Mountain Viper. In that area,
0: okay, yeah, so okay, well, hopefully they get them back on. I think it's great for the public to see, um, so was there one animal that you were just like that you didn't really care to work with, or like maybe you were scared to work with, or any animal that made you like, "Oh crap, <laughs> <laughs> like when you have to clean the exhibit, uh, I mean there's always-
1: out of all the animals, and you know we had you know i don't i I can't even. I don't, I can't even, I wouldn't even want to guess how many animals that, that building had. It's a ton. And you know that, um, you know, from, you know, probably about six different species of crocodilian, probably mm-hmm. 60 or 70 species of snakes, maybe more, you know, lizards, everything. The one animal that was, um, always kept you on your toes was uh, a green mamba that was in my area. Uh, <laughs> he, he came to us, he's a captive bred animal from another zoo and he came to us because um keepers at another zoo um were not fond of him they were scared of him so uh, you know of course jeff and his love for venomous snakes yeah we'll take them so um we got this green mamba and uh happened to end up in my area (laughs) and you know it was the only animal that i worked it was in it was in uh what we called you know well the one of the uh extra rooms in the basement with a bunch of uh, snakes um it was the only animal that i would ask everyone to leave the room whenever i was going to work that snake just because just because it was crazy to be honest with you and i didn't want to put you know anyone else in you know i i was confident you know with my uh, abilities to get it to get the job done but you know if it got away i didn't want. Somebody else to be in there. I could, you know, wrangle it up again if I, you know, you know, yeah, get the hook I mean, on a butt. But you know, there's no even even the people that w- had the ability to work it. I just, if I was going to work it, I just rather them leave the room. To be honest with you, did it
0: just did it just come flying out as you uh, opened? Yeah, the- it,
1: well, if you just every t- if you just touched it at all with the hook, um, it just it it just. It, it just went crazy basically. And I think it was, I, I, for me, it was really fast, uh, really nervous and really unpredictable. And, and okay. I, you know, um, it wasn't, it wasn't aggressive per se. I'd never seen it. It never tried. It never struck at me or tried to try to bite, but you uh-huh. know, you got to respect is respect, especially those the venomous animals that are, you know, could uh, do a lot of damage with one quick little bite. So, um, yeah. And since, since it was so nervous, you know, it, it, I liked just to be by myself in there with it. But everything else, to be honest, um, you know, it, 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 I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't, you know, nothing else really.
0: Nothing else. I mean, I'm just imagining because those exhibits are beautiful, especially, you know, and of course the ones on display, you know, you have the live plants and the branches and this and that. So, I mean... Was it really difficult to clean, or I mean, was it pretty much?
1: No, it was not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought. I mean, you got. I mean, you got so used to doing it. You know, mm-hmm. pulling, pulling, same. pulling animals every day. It was not a. It wasn't a big deal. You know.
0: Yeah, um, that's awesome.
1: It's, it's, it, I think as long as you have the right attitude, you know, you need to respect the, the that the animal has those abilities to to harm you, but at the same time, they don't really want to. That's not, you know, that's not, what you know, if they, if they try strike at you, they're either one thinking you're thinking food's coming, you know, that's mm-hmm. usually the, that's usually the first strike you open up a cage, it strikes, it strikes because well, that's how you, that's where you feed it. So, and then mm-hmm. once it, once, once it realizes it's not getting food, generally, they don't, they don't, they don't strike. And if they do, then it's likely because you've cornered it and it, it feels defensive, you know? Uh, but the ones on display, you know, you just pull them out, put them in a bucket and you know, those big trash cans that you know, you've seen that with, they have yeah. modified yeah. to put the, put the animals in with the plexiglass lid that locks down and everything, put them in there and clean the cage and put them back.
0: And- so Matt, you have traveled the world literally in search of, you know, rare and exotic reptiles and amphibians. You've been to Jamaica, Armenia. Tell us about those experiences.
1: Um, uh, Jamaica was my first trip. I got to, um to go there with the, the local university, Washington University in St. Louis. Um, there's a, a PhD student at the time. He was doing some evolution development work with the Enola species in the Caribbean. And they were comparing, you know, like, there are similar species, you know, that fill the same niche on on all these different islands. But they um, were trying to, you know, figure out how they, you know, evolved to, to you know, they evolved independently to, to fill the same niches. You know, they were different species. They weren't the same animals on the different islands. So I, I, um, the guy who was going over there, um, his field assistant backed out weeks ahead of time. So, um, he needed somebody that was, uh, able to catch lizards, identi- okay. be able to identify them. Cause we were looking for three specific species and more than that, more than that actually occur there. Um, weren't
0: they, weren't they, anoles for some reason yeah
1: I th- three different anole species that that we okay were. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay yeah that we were but there was more than more um than just those three species of anoles in the area we were at um so yeah he needed somebody with the passport and somebody that could identify and and catch these uh these anoles and uh and and with just a couple weeks notice so um i didn't know the guy but my friend a good a really good friend of mine did and he uh suggested that i go so I went to Jamaica with him, <laughs> with some what guy. Didn't
0: know. <laughs> I'm just like thinking, like, like the typical Jamaican, like this guy greets you with dreads, like, yeah, man," like, is it like that? <laughs> you
1: know, you know, <laughs> you know. We stayed in a in a place where tourists don't visit, you know. So I think uh, our experience was really cool because we got to re- meet some really down to earth local people, you know,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. you know that you know it's not it's 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 a poor country. You know, even the places we got to visit, the local people that we talked to, like we've never in our life got to visit there. You know, we were just on a couple-week trip, you know, doing this, and, you know. But the people were that we met were amazing. But um, yeah, we didn't we didn't get no none of that uh, reggae stuff like you were talking about. You no, know? no reggae
0: <laughs> no, stuff. No, like
1: Rastafarians or anything. Yeah, but,
0: yeah. So. It, this is so off topic, but didn't you say it was really dangerous too? just walking um,
1: around at night know, i, I they, they they that's what there was even signs some of the places but you know we we went out at night to catch lizards i mean we we went out at the day went out at night um the place we stayed at had actual guards and they they told us that we were crazy for going out at night but you know <laughs> it was part of the part of the deal so you know we we would we would head out at night and um just to, just to catch the anoles while they were sleeping what a rude awakening, you know?
0: Yeah. Right. Like, on a
1: branch and we're snatching them up.
0: You know? And then, and you would just take them and then just, I mean, what type um, of they test? Brought them, they,
1: they brought them, they brought them back, um, for like to set up part of it was to set up like breeding colonies. So they, cause okay. they wanted to, they wanted to like, um, really study the animals at different stages, life stages and see what's going on
0: mm-hmm. with them.
1: Um, this, it was actually a really big project involving a lot of um students that went to that school and, and their professor dr jonathan Losos, who who um i think is coming back to washington university actually soon which is great for this this area because he's he's amazing um but um yeah it was um Really, I don't know a ton about what how how that ended up. <laughs> to be honest,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we might we might we might have to Google. You were just there catching a the noles. So. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: this was like thirteen years ago or something. At this point,
0: thirteen <laughs> you know? man, but, yeah, here we go. The
1: The 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 cool the cool part, like some of my favorite part of the trip was, um, you know, we caught I caught seven Jamaican boas. You
0: know? Oh.
1: In 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 two weeks, seven of them, and they're not. They're, oh. That's not a common animal. So. Mm-hmm the locals were scared to death when we were you know i was handling them but um you know they you know they have beliefs that you know they they just are scared of them but for me that was like that that and i i caught two of the um dwarf boas they call them or wood snakes or um they're from the genus tropidophus really small um maybe 18 inches long, maybe two foot long, maybe. Um, yeah, I caught two of those too. And that was, for me, that and the Jamaican boas, being a snake guy was the highlight of the trip. It was a shock, um, yeah. You know, and, and you know, they just it's just a cool area, you know? The water was awesome, so I got to see, you know, stingray and barracuda while I was snorkeling out there. Mm. Um, you know, between trekking through, trekking through the forest, catching lizards, you know, put some snorkel, get your snorkel, grab a snorkel and hop out into the, to the ocean. And,
0: uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I so. think it's so cool that you were able to catch the snakes. I mean, do you think you change some of the locals perception of snakes after you caught them and they saw you handling it? I do you think that,
1: you know, there was only a uh, a couple people cause usually it was just me and, and the other guy from oh, okay. that were out there, but um, you know, one night for sure, one of the guards saw us with it and, you know, he basically wanted us to kill it. And I had to tell him, you know, I had to try to try to educate him about it. I wasn't going to, I wasn't, I'm not going to kill that thing is special, you know?
0: Yeah. That Matt, that makes me so mad. I mean, we, this is, we could go on to complete different topic, but just hearing about people kill snakes and hear about the rattlesnake roundups. And it's just like, it just drives me crazy.
1: I don't get that mindset. You know, well, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I never I will understand. Like I don't. We I were,
0: don't. I yeah. almost got in a fight with this huge group of like farmer guys. Like, I, and we were just at a restaurant and I overheard them talking about how funny it was. They chopped off the snake's head and it kept moving around and they kept, and I just overheard them. And you know, at first I'm like, okay, Corbin, keep your composure. Like just, let it be, you're in a farm community, but they just kept on going on and on and laughing. And like, I went over there and was just like completely, you know, just told them my spiel and it probably didn't help anything out. And it made it for awkward dinners for me. And, (laughs) but I just, I don't get it. I just Anyway, I just and being in Missouri, I mean, you have a lot of you know reptile species, and you have you have more venomous snakes, and I, I mean, than we do here in Idaho.
1: Missouri has six, I think.
0: Yeah, I think we we only have well, technically one, the Great Basin rattlesnake. Um, yeah, the the only one technically, although you know some Gosh. people would say, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that just drives me crazy. I don't understand that at all.
1: Right, right. Yeah, no, being in. You know, being, I think we got five venomous snakes, but
0: being mm-hmm. in my, loca- being my location,
1: the best part is Snake Road that you still have to come oh, visit with me.
0: Yes. Yes. Which I promise when I finally make my way back to St. Louis, I promise. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. That's my favorite. I, I think promise. That, that area has 50 something species of reptiles and amphibian just in that, <sighs> you know, the road's roughly three miles long and just in the area around it, 50 something. I mean, is I, this I found 20 something in a day um not really looking that hard just
0: just now is this private matt like is this something like i mean is it pretty hard to find like i just would hate to have some idiots go there and
1: no no it's i mean it's a it's part of a national forest you know and and it's and it's watched over quite well because it's so well known okay um, yeah so on the bluffs you know there's people watching like department of conservation type people they're watching oh good yeah, so because okay. it's, uh, it's because of its popularity. So okay. I-, I wouldn't let any secret spots out. <laughs> That's for yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah, right. There's some other spots I like, but I don't want to talk about those.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely like – I would like to do that. I'd love to film like a short webisode or something like that. Take a little camera yeah. and that would be awesome. Awesome. Yeah, okay, sure. so back on track, you had – okay, so you, you went to Jamaica. You caught anoles. You also went to Armenia.
1: Yeah, that was – uh definitely a life-changing those were life-changing trips so the st louis zoo has uh what's called the wild Care institute i know i mentioned it a little earlier mm-hmm. um it's a conservation department and the reptile house one of their programs is um i don't know the title of it now i know they've changed it at this point but it's you know the uh, center for conservation of animals from western asia or something like that at this point um and the focus was armenian vipers um, you know uh, so we jeff started going over there i believe in 2005
0: now really quick uh, for listeners where is armenia cuz it's not a very oh, yeah, yeah yeah where yeah, is it where is this it
1: is, um, so it's kind of like right on the edge of asia and europe you know kind of almost in the middle east area right there it's it's bordered to the north of it is is the country of georgia to the east of it is the country of Azerbaijan. To the west is Turkey. And to the south is Iran.
0: Okay. Um, so consider Middle East.
1: It, it, yeah. I guess. I don't, I mean, it's, 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 for me, it's hard to define what, you know, you mm. know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's right there. It's right on the, that edge. And there's former Soviet Union, um, you know, but it broke away, I guess, I guess in 1994, or 95, somewhere in there. And became okay. Armenia again because it, you know, it, it, you know, the country itself is old, you know, a couple thousand years old, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's where it's at. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, uh good uh, point. Um, most people probably don't know where it's at. Um, no,
0: and Matt, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you when you were talking to my sister and I when I first met you because you were telling us about Armenia, and this is before I mean with the iPhones and Google. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, like it, it sounds Middle Eastern, but I mean, you know, European, but where? Te- I've never heard of it. I mean, just, yeah, yeah it's, you just don't hear about it much.
1: Yeah, so, it's, you know, it's it's, a, it's a, one of the only, like, Christian countries in the middle of that uh, Muslim region. Okay. Um, it's it's a small country about the size of Maryland. I think there's about 3 million people, total population for the country. And wow. I think two-thirds of them live in the uh, capital of Yerevan. Um, it has uh, the Caucasus Mountains that run straight through it. So um, it's very, you know, it's high elevation, very, very mountainous, the whole okay. country. So, um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's it about the country itself. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah so, 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 you know, um, I was fortunate enough to, to be asked to go to help with Jeff's project um, in 2008 and 2009 um, for a month at a time each time. So what we were, what the main focus of the trip was to, you know, it was conservation. So like you can't really plan any kind of protection if you don't know what an animal needs. So it was it was a lot of data collection and a lot of comparing, you know, home range sizes from males and females of the species in disturbed habitats and then looking at untouched habitat, you know, habitat that's part of a protected area now you know that that has been untouched for two decades or something like that you know and kind of compare their behaviors at each site and then you can you can it it helps with planning for um uh, any conservation work you want to do with the species so we we would um spend you know since we, we we took the two different types of sites the human modified area and the kind of wild area i'll just call it and the human modified area was was um there's a lot of farming in that area It was basically like you know kind of like a mountainside and then on top of it was all farming and on the bottom of it was all farming Hmm. and they didn't you know they didn't have much area to um to use seemingly it looked like that so we would We were based out of out of the capital we we actually stayed in an apartment in your van and we would just drive out there because it was like a 45 minute drive we would just drive out there and and, um you know we we you know capture snakes weigh them measure them um some of them had transmitters in them some of them got transmitters put in them for radio telemetry so we could collect uh you know so we could kind of kind of Gather information about their home range size. Um, so, yep, we basically did that that at both sites actually. Um, but we spent my trips we spent the vast majority of them at and, at this um, human modified site. It's called a is the city that it was right by. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go down to the Shikaho reserve in southern Armenia to study that population in the um, of more of a, you know, a natural area. You know, the, down there we, you know, we we stayed in a tent, you know, and, and, you know, when I opened the tent in the morning, I could see Iran and, you know, it was- Really? Yeah, it was, you know, you could see the river that was the border between the two countries and, you know, and, and there's actually Persian leopards that still occur there. Not many, unfortunately, but yeah, where we were camping was Persian leopards, brown bears, um, stuff like mouflon, which is a kind of uh, sheep, and bezor goats, which were my favorite. The, the males have these really long curved horns and these giant goatees. I think they're really, really, really awesome. But all that kind of stuff occurred there, plus, and you, an,
0: and, plus another you kind you of venomous animals? snake
1: that was bigger. Um, we, I did not, unfortunately. I did
0: Any not. Out- oh, because they're just so elusive, right? I mean, I, all you know. of them
1: you know um yeah i when at that site you know i saw um there's a kind of rat snake that occurs there i think common name is a blotched rat snake um we caught some of those we caught european green toads there um we caught a kind of racer i think it's called a schmidt's racer um Mm -hmm. that was maybe my favorite snake it was it was probably five foot long it was black and red it was mean (laughs) as can be it was super mean (laughs) maybe that's why i liked it i don't know but I, i love that snake i think it's actually my uh it's it's on my facebook page the the top part you know okay I, I just yeah.
0: looked at it yeah, i yeah. just saw it. Yeah, that's, okay that's the that we caught there
1: it was like pure evil and i loved that thing that was so awesome
0: so and, that and like marabou storks are like on the top of your
1: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah well and, and off topic a little bit um armenia this bird have the bird uh species that occur there are is tremendous i had no idea like I don't know how many different vultures I saw or birds of prey.
0: Okay, like I got to see, I,
1: like I got to see a Eurasian eagle owl in the wild. How incredible is that? Like, oh my god! You know, like you know, we're we're in this little like canyon area looking for Armenian vipers, and we spooked it, and it flew out, and I my jaw just dropped because it was the wingspan was huge. I'd never seen anything like it. Like you know, that's <laughs> a, that's the largest owl species in the world. You know. Yeah, like, I think I don't know what a six foot wingspan, something like that, or something, something, something like r- that, something ridiculous. It was, it was huge.
0: I mean, these things take down young deer and foxes. I mean, it,
1: <laughs> we, it was it was yeah. incredible. And I saw like Egyptian vultures circling around. Oh.
0: Like, okay,
1: those were crazy. And then they have littler birds that are uh, are really neat that I never knew existed, like uh, the hoopoe, really cool bird. Um, okay, this is more because a lot of the habitat in Armenia is very you know just grassy or dry rocky you know there you know we where we're at there was no real forest or anything so i know there's there's spots of that there but i don't think uh in general that's you know most of the country's you know pretty either really dry you know desert type or like um the word escapes me like
0: Rocky, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. I was
1: actually trying to to figure out the exact word for the yeah. The, don't I'll have to say rocky
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And you went back to Armenia, correct? I did. Wait, I got to go again in two thousand
1: nine. Yeah, that was my first trip. Two thousand eight, and then two thousand nine to help out, do this, do the same thing. But at this point, you know, after that first trip, I'd already fallen in love with the place. Like it's beautiful. Like and the, the types of animals i got to see the people the people to be honest are what made it for me like the people are some of the most kind people i've ever met they're just and and, and it's interesting cuz most of them don't speak english and i don't speak yeah armenian. i was going to
0: say is there a language barrier like i'm saying,
1: like... Yeah quite quite a bit if you didn't have the few few people younger people that could speak english then yeah cuz they yeah. speak either armenian or russian so um yeah, I, I have a picture of myself actually with a couple of shepherds and one of the um, one of our Armenian colleagues that was working with us, um, and we were trying to educate them on what we were doing because you know we were looking for snakes and they were they were hurting their goats and stuff right basically right through where we were looking for vipers. Mm-hmm. We were trying to educate them, you know, on the importance of 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 those vipers to that habitat. And so I got a, and I couldn't speak to them at all. So we everything that we would say they'd ha- someone would have to translate it for us to them. And yeah. they were just so kind. And, you know, they told us they were going to go drink some vodka for us that night. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I would have tried to go with them, Matt, but that's, a uh,
1: you didn't, you didn't have to go, you didn't have to go with them. It was everywhere anyway.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm assuming, so their perception of snakes, I mean, would they just kill them on sight? I mean, is that kind of the, per- the uh, big, That's probably. I, I
1: wouldn't say that that's, that's the, that's the biggest threat to them there.
0: But um, I,
1: I would I would think that some of the farmers do because they just kind of, you know, those are like public land. And they just like kind of, you know, walk their sheep, goats, cattle. They just herd them in everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I actually got caught in the middle of a herd of goats and sheep. One time I came up out of this canyon and came up and I looked and I saw it coming towards me. And I'm talking, we're talking four or five hundred animals. And there's oh. three guys and four dogs. And they use these giant like Caucasian shepherds. You know, like 150 pound dogs to to protect them, and they're not nice. So I had the people I was with yelling at me to get back down and just stay there. And they were they were yelling in Armenian to the to the shepherds. You know, like, hey, there's somebody up there. Please keep your dogs away. So like I just didn't move, and the, where I was at, the dogs couldn't have walked, couldn't have climbed down, but the goats and the sheep did. So they like looked at me like, whoa, what is this guy doing here? Like, <laughs> Yeah, but I got a, I actually got a picture of them as they, they passed and it, yeah, it was, it was, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> but, they, but, they, but the people there were really uh They were really uh, accepting of, of, of what we had, what we were doing and what we were trying to teach them. And I know that the Armenian people that are, that are there and they're still part of the project, you know, mm-hmm. and they've dedicated their life to this kind of stuff. Aram and Lavon, they, um, uh, they, they educate a lot, you know, it's not just, it, it's, it's, it's part of their, you know, life, you know, go to mm-hmm. classrooms, you know, that, that it's what they do. So, you know, that's a big thing. If you can't, if you can't get the locals to buy into what you're doing, you know, it's especially like coming from us, you know, what are these, what are these people from the United States of America care about this? You know, I'm not, I don't care what they have to say, but, you know, we want to take their their needs into consideration as well, and try to try to live in 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 harmony with the animals, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the only way something like that's going to be successful.
0: It is. It is it, 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 it's all it's it
1: to get them to buy in too. Yep, and you got to get the locals to buy in too. You,
0: you know? have
1: to. Yep, absolutely. You have to. Yep. And you
0: get
1: we, so know, angry. Yeah. You know, we 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 get done with it, and we can hop on a plane and fly seven thousand miles home or something. And you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not listening to that guy. <laughs> Who is he? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, but like you said, it's all about education. Like how is this animal benefiting me? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, benefiting that community. And that's just, mm-hmm. like I said, it's all about education, all about education. What would you say? And we're going to maybe a little off topic. Um, but what would you say to someone who has a venomous snake? Maybe they encounter in their backyard who wants to kill it because they're fearful of children or fearful of the livestock? Like what would your advice be?
1: Um, yeah, that's, that's tough because, you know, for me, I'd leave it alone. But I know, you know,
0: uh, that's what I would do too, that's you know, but, I
1: but, but I, I don't, I'm not scared of it, you know, and I know yeah. that it, it's not there to hurt, you know, and I have kids, you know, maybe, you know, you, you, the best advice would be to find somebody, you know, whether it be from your local herp herpetological society or somebody, maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody at a local zoo knows somebody. Find somebody that can point you in the direction of a person who could come and relocate it for from for you if if, if it really bothers you. There's, I mean, it's, they're so important to the environment. You know, biodiversity in general is, you know, it's important. We need all the animals, you know. You know, they all play a very important role in Each one we use, even that big bad rattlesnake that's in your backyard, you know, if we lose those, that's, that's, that's a big deal, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and it, it, it's so hard because out here I get so many calls like, oh, we have this, you know, harmless gopher snake or these garter snakes underneath my porch. It's like, what do you, you know, come get it. And it's like, it's like, you just want to scream to these people like this is, you're in their home, you're in their habitat, they're part of the environment. Do you like rats? Do you like mice? Do you like,
1: yeah. Yeah. All this stuff that's (laughs) pest, pest or, you know, to us that could, you know, transfer diseases to us and stuff. They eat, (laughs) they eat that stuff, you
0: know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know,
1: it's so beneficial.
0: And when people get hurt and I think you would agree with me, you know, when they get bit by a venomous snake, it's like when they're trying to kill it or someone unexperienced is trying to handle it. I mean, leave it alone. I think is the best advice. I really do. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I, I would be willing to, to bet on money. If, 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 if someone was bitten, I'd be willing to say that 90% of the time it was, um, a Teenage or 20-something-year-old male isn't it that's <laughs> think, it, it, it isn't yeah. usually a
0: drunk 20-something-year-old <laughs> male.
1: Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, just uh, uh, Behaving like you shouldn't be that's all
0: exactly just yeah. leave it alone observe it and leave it alone Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've never had close calls and I've you know Worked with thousands of them never had close calls it's,
0: never never any close calls never anything like
1: never Never. Never. Really? Not, oh, nothing I I get... I'd consider close calls.
0: <laughs> okay. <well>. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. worked with thousands of snakes. I mean, literally, throughout your yeah. career. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. You know, yeah. Um, nothing. Nothing too crazy. Um, <laughs> is there one species that one day you hope to work with or aspire to work with?
1: Um, well, one of my... Favorite reptiles is boldens pythons, and I got to work with those. And I just, I mean, I'm a, I'm a python guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I really like pythons, and they're my favorite. That they're just, they're just gorgeous. Like, you know, and, and you know, they're you know, high elevation from New Guinea. They tolerate really cold temperatures, and like, there's just, they're, they're different than a lot of the other pythons, and you know. Um when they're ha- when they hatch out they're almost like a maroon color and then they turn that that, that black and they have the yellow on it and they're so iridescent and they get, get
0: iridescent because you yeah. showed me that i think you had a few at the zoo but aren't they pretty mm-hmm. hard to keep in captivity
1: um they're 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 re- really hard to reproduce
0: reproduce uh, to, to,
1: okay yeah yeah to keep alive if you can if you can get a hold of some they're not that i don't think they're that hard to keep alive
0: okay
1: um, and that's my opinion people could argue with me on that one but I don't I mean just, yeah, yeah. Just uh, in my opinion, they're not hard to keep alive, but they are very hard to re- reproduce. I believe there's a yeah. guy in Germany, a private guy, um, who is super successful with it. Like, okay, He's done it multiple times, but that's the that's the only person I think that's actually done it on a regular basis. I don't know if a zoo's ever done it. To be honest with you,
0: okay, I, I yeah, they're they're beautiful in the, like the Private sector, yeah, and, then, and so I those. Remember, who, okay
1: to work with a Komodo dragon again, actually, that would be another yes. one.
0: Yeah. That's what I would like to keep. I know that's completely <laughs> outlandish. I,
1: I mean, everyone, you know, the, the few, you know, I, my, my sample size is just two or three that I've gotten to ever work with, but they're all like puppy dogs. Like they're what? so awesome. There's, there was, you know, the, the big, when they got bigger, they were in, in, and they're smart, you know? Um, yeah, so they, yeah. they, you know, you'd walk in to the exhibit with them, and you can train them, you know. Candace train was tra- was in the process of training one of the
0: ones at the zoo for a while. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and they're and they're not, and it's so crazy because at at the zoo I worked with when I was like, well, I not worked with, but volunteering, they treated that komodo dragon like it was like just as the most dangerous animal in the world like it had a separate era. i mean but this thing just seemed so calm i mean it just like, uh, I, think, I think they would like
1: i i think st louis wanted you to treat it a little bit more like they'd make you go in with a couple people you, you know really so there'd be like somebody to do the work and then somebody to like you know to to be there in case ours
0: but,
1: you know like yeah ours had like,
0: like that, a separate shift
1: oh yeah to be honest, there was no need for two people in there. They were so they were so chill. They were so relaxed. Like still awesome. They weren't chill when they were small. Like when they were younger. But yeah, oh, I get it. In, I the, in, the, in the wild, well, at least from my like I said, my limited experience with them, just a few different mm-hmm. animals. And the younger ones, you know, were very flighty. But that makes sense because in the wild, you know, you, you know, you're prey. to some of your some of the bigger komodos, even so. You know, yeah. so you got to be flighty. Yeah. You got to something, but when when they get big, the, the, all the ones I've worked with have been so just relaxed, and they're they're actually one of my favorites to actually get to work with. Cause, yeah, mm-hmm. and the Crocodile fun.
0: Oh, I love the Crocs, and you worked <laughs> with a Cuban Croc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, that one for me,
1: for me was the um, craziest one. <laughs> like that one, that one was. I don't think he wanted you to breathe anymore. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, he would like to come at you, but but still, they weren't that bad. I mean, I say that, but you know, that's relative compared to the other species that we we had there. That they were gen- the other ones. You know, American alligators, Chinese alligators, uh, false gharial, um, dwarf caiman, spectacle caiman. Mm-hmm. I think I it. I don't remember, but I think that's it. The Cuban was by far, by far the most the you know, craziest. rambunctious, we'll call and it silly,
0: the most silly. <laughs> yeah, most silly. And it's crazy because I have two alligators, and if you see my Facebook lives or YouTube videos of me yeah. and Sonny, Sonny's almost, Sonny's almost 10 feet, but he is literally, Matt, the biggest puppy dog. Like, you go in there, and he's just, like, I could I'm, I could sit right behind him, and of course, I, you know, I mean, mind you, I've worked with them for for 13 plus years, and so I don't, you know, you have to have experience with them, but they, it's just... They're just, it's amazing just how their temperament is compared to some of those other crocodilians. Like, and I even heard that, that, that the Chinese alligators were a lot more aggressive. Is that true? Are they uh, same temperament?
1: I think I, so I probably, I've only probably worked with maybe four different specimen, you know, individuals. And one, one <laughs> was, one of them was aggressive, but all the other ones were really calm and they're so small. Okay. though. Like They're like, you know, I don't yeah. know. It's, yeah, it's four, four foot long, maybe tail and yeah. everything. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, t- they're tiny. So,
0: yeah. Um, really quick false scariols Were they pretty calm too?
1: Oh yeah. They were really shy. They would just go down in the water. They'd never come out. I don't, they, you know, if you walked into their exhibit, you know, or um, they would, they generally would just go down in the water. I'd never seen okay. them come out, out at anyone, to yeah. be honest. And again, with the Crocs, you know, I was, I wasn't their, their primary keeper, you know, I was just, I just did it in relief when the primary keeper wasn't there. So I don't have as, mm-hmm. as, as much Croc experience as, well, you know, some of the other people that work there.
0: Well, and. You know they're so intelligent. They recognize you as an individual. When I give, and I, I don't give public tours, but if family or friends come over, they know their behavior will change when they see other people enter the building or if I'm getting ready to feed, and people are watching. They like know who I am. It, it's it's so insane because so many people think reptiles are dumb, stupid, or you know, common misconception. Um, really intelligent.
1: Yeah, no, and and on that note, uh, Omaha Henry Dorley Zoo does a lot of training with their alligators. And and it's amazing the stuff they do. It shows how smart they are. They I mean they I believe they come to the, by their name. They they literally come within inches of their feet and like yeah.
0: With the They're, line. Be, yeah, yeah. Because of you. Actually no, I actually met you through Jesse. Jesse's a, a, a yeah. mutual friend of yeah. ours. They took us behind the scenes and they called the alligator. They call him with a bell behind yeah. the scenes and, and you're sitting there without any barrier, or not sitting, but you're standing behind like a solid, I think it's a red line and they call the alligators with the bell and you're just standing there at this line and I I asked Jesse like are we are are we okay here he said don't worry they're trained they do not go past the line and that I swear to god I don't know you have four or five alligators come up adult alligators and they all stayed there they all did not cross the line it was the most surreal experience like I had no idea that you could train a crocodilian to do something like that yeah
1: right it's 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 pretty incredible I've I've only seen video of it I've I've been up there the visit I really like that too actually that's one of my favorites um i've but i haven't seen them in person do it unfortunately you know but i've seen video yeah. that that they that you know friends that work there have sent me and yeah it's so incredible so inc- they don't even have to restrain them to do what they do with the animal
0: with those animals no it, and i'm gonna have oh. to get them on the podcast yeah, jesse in the podcast yeah that actually yeah. be a pretty good one yeah that be really for good. sure for um, sure so really quick, because I know you have work in the morning. It's almost midnight your time. Any uh, last minute advice for someone who wants to pursue a career working with reptiles or amphibians or something in the zoo world? Um,
1: yeah. Um, education is huge. Um, definitely. Um, you know, in the zoo world and outside the zoo world, like a bachelor's degree is the minimum you need. Like, you know, you know, I know to 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 move up in the zoo world you know at a place like st louis you know they prefer masters and phds so school don't take it lightly like if, if that's what you want to do with your life you'll have a lot of amazing experiences um but that's the only way you're going to get them so that those kind of experiences so make sure you stay in school and if you have a chance early on in your college career um you get into the, uh, like an internship program at the zoo, I mean, sometime in your college career, get into an internship program, and and yeah. don't don't take that lightly either. Like you know, when you're in there, you know you're going to learn stuff, but you're also you know you're the intern, so you're going to be expected to do the hey, scrub my floors, wipe the back of my cages and stuff, like <laughs> do it, just do it, just work hard. You'll you you'll get in, you know. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I I feel like Um, some, some, I've met some really great people that came through, through the internship program at the St. Louis Zoo. And, you know, while they never, while some of them went into the zoo field and and ended well, others did not go into the zoo field, but, but um, still, you know, stayed in education and and, and did research and stuff like that. And they've, they've done some amazing stuff. So with still in the field of, you know, biology and herpetology, stuff like that. So, you know, that's it, you know, get in there, volunteer, become an intern and stay for sure. Stay in school, you know, don't think cause you have a hundred snakes in your basement in your mom's house that they're going to, they're going to hire you. Cause are you trying not. to reference
0: me? No, <laughs> they're not. no, no,
1: no, I'm not. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people think that, you know, I, you know, I've actually recently had a talk with a guy that I just met around my area. He's like, well, I, you know, you know, you, you, they, they put in for stuff and you know, they don't realize that there's a lot more to it. So, but I think if you, you know, if you, like I said, four or five times now, stay in school and um, get into an internship. Let me, let, you know, the people need to know you because, you know, in a building like a, the reptile building in St. Louis, there's a lot of dangerous animals. So you're not just going to be brought in, you know, they're going to have to know you and trust you. Trust before.
0: you. Absolutely. And you meet as, I always tell people meet as many contacts as you can. Absolutely. Um,
1: yep. mean, if you can go to, you know, there's, conferences and stuff like that. You can, you know, like one of my favorites to go to and I haven't been in a while, unfortunately, but it's IHS, the international herpetological symposium, you know, the mm-hmm. contacts you can make from there, from, from zoo professionals to academics to private hobbyists, they all go to those things. Well, each one has something to offer, you know?
0: You yeah. Know. And, and I just have to say, even knowing you, you've introduced me to so many of your contacts to where I mean the people, the Toledo Zoo. I mean, and just I mean, I'm just. It's just. I think it, it, it's such a small world, and you know, people who are interested in reptiles and amphibians in this field, like, we're actually a lot smaller than you would think. And so I think Absolutely. it's uh, great. It's great yeah. to connect with yep. with with anyone in that field. I 100 agree.
1: And you can be any age to do that, right? You know, the IHS. Yeah,
0: the IHS.
1: They they do poster presentations for little kids, and they give a junior awards is the junior herpetologist award or something like that to kids that are like 12, 13 years old and stuff. So yeah, I mean,
0: that's you I, can go I, with
1: something like that. If you're younger, you know, then the yeah, people you meet are going to be great for you later on.
0: Awesome. Awesome resources. I started my local herpetological society when I was 12 years old and I still keep in touch with people. If I have husbandry, I don't know questions. I mean, it's great to have those resources. I would say they're almost even better than a book or going online to have someone who's been doing it for 30 or 40 years.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, And, 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 and that's the thing. Like, there's no one right way to do everything. Like anyone who thinks that has not been in it long enough and doesn't know you could do something with, you know, with one of your animals, like your alligator some way. And if I had one, I could do it differently, but we both could have the same results in the end. So I, you know, I don't know. I think having those resources
0: are great. It's great. It's great. Well, Matt, thank you so much. No uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was so Thanks interesting. Would you? Yeah. Would you make sure to send me um, some photos maybe of, um, of Armenia or you know possibly a couple of the animals you've worked with so I can post it online for those of you wanting a visual. Okay. Of uh, yeah. some yeah. animals. Yeah. 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 Sure. That'd be great. That's yeah. awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Once again, tell the family I said hi. And next time in Missouri, we are definitely going to go to snake road.
1: Yeah, for sure. We have to, we have to, even though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All
0: right. right. Take it easy, buddy. Thank you you so much. All right. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. Please make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps me out. I also encourage you to check out CorbinMaxie.com. You can contact me there personally, even suggest a podcast guest, or if you just want to learn more about animals.